I'm Alex Bloomberg, and you're listening to Startup, the show about what it's really like to start a company. And if you're a longtime listener, you probably remember that the Startup Podcast, the podcast that you're listening to right now, launched just over a year ago, and that the first season was all about me and my attempts to launch this podcasting company that's producing the podcast you're listening to. And what I learned during that season is that starting a business, even if it's not a family business, it is a family affair. Your spouse is in it with you, whether they plan to be or not. And so my wife, Nazanin, made regular appearances throughout season one of the Startup Podcast. She had the unpleasant task of trying to talk me through the dark times, of which there were many. But that was hard, because essentially, her job was to tell me that this was a good idea, even though deep down, we both knew it was probably a bad one. I'm just one guy with this stupid little plan, and there's like a gazillion people out there with better plans that are going to make more money that people want to invest in more than me. I don't know. It just feels like... I know, I know. Sudden, it just feels like all of a sudden I'm just like, what am I doing? Why am I? <laughs> who, who am I? <laughs> I don't know. I know. I mean, I don't... I, I just feel like you have... Like, if, if they're ever going to invest in one guy with, like, a dinky plan, then that guy would probably be you. <laughs> <laughs> Another grousing <laughs> She provided other kinds of counsel as well. Like here in episode five, my co-founder Matt Lieber and I had spent a mildly drunken afternoon trying to come up with names for the company. We ended up on Google Translate looking up cool sounding foreign versions of audio related words. I came home and tried out our favorite on Nazanin. Orello. Arello? Arello. What is that? What is that supposed to mean? Well, it's uh, it's ear in Esperanto. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my god! (laughs) That's so dumb. That's so dumb. And finally, she was there when our luck started to change and money started to come in. Although her advice at that point probably wasn't the best. Oh my goodness. Wow. That's $100,000. Yep. Isn't it so weird that people don't more often just steal all this money and run away? forward to today, roughly half a year since the end of season one. And things have gone almost better than we could have imagined. We did a second full season of Startup about a different company, Dating Ring. Our show about the internet, Reply All, doubles its audience every couple months or so. We launched a third show, Mystery Show, which spent a long time at number one on iTunes. And the host, Starly Kine, was recently on Conan. Let's see. What else? Oh, yeah. There's been some developments at home as well. So tell me what you're doing. I am making a pro and con list on a piece of pink construction paper about the pros and cons of potentially leaving my job and coming to work for your company. 
That's what I'm doing. <laughs> I know, it's weird to say it out loud. <laughs> Didn't see that coming, did you? Welcome to a brand new mini season of Startup. For the next four or five episodes, we're going to be turning our attention back to our own company, Gimlet Media. So much is happening here, we thought a mini season would be a great way to fill everyone in. We're growing like crazy. We're going to have to switch offices. We're getting involved in something that may be a new line of business. And we're launching all these new shows. One upcoming episode is going to be a deep dive into what exactly goes into doing that. Why does it take so long? But for this episode, we're going to focus on this crazy-seeming question of whether or not my wife should actually come work here. All right, so before the nepotism charges start flying, I should explain. So Nazanin was a fan favorite during season one. But Nazanin was a little bit of a ringer because she'd worked in media for almost a decade. For the last several years, she was a senior producer at The Rachel Maddow Show on MSNBC. Before that, she was a producer at On The Media, a national show on public radio. She's done radio stories for NPR and This American Life. And recently, she'd been getting all these job offers from other media companies, offering her really good radio and podcasting jobs, hosting jobs, executive producing jobs, at salaries matching what she made in TV. She felt compelled to consider these offers, but the more she considered them, the weirder it felt to both of us. Why would she help build other people's podcasting businesses when we had a perfectly good podcasting business right here that we needed a lot of help with? Thus, the pro and con list. How many, uh, how many items are in each? It's five to five at this moment, exactly at this moment. Whoa. Can you read them? Yeah. The first thing on the pros is I would get to do something really new and exciting. Another pro is like this whole time, like I've been kind of at an arm's length, you know? And being there every day and trying to do what I can to make it successful, I think would feel satisfying. Mm -hmm. Number four, I feel like, is like actually the, the biggest pro, which is that you guys need people, not just me, but like need employees who know how to do the stuff. And so I feel like I would be serving a purpose. On the other hand, MSNBC, where she's worked for five years, is a gigantic organization that's owned by an even more gigantic corporation, Comcast, which, let's be honest, it's far less likely to go out of business than a startup that's been around for a year, which brings us to the cons. Mm -hmm. And in the cons, it's just <clears throat> risky for you and I to put all of our eggs in this basket. I mean, it's been like very, very comforting for me to like have an outside salary and just to have an outside job that has nothing to do with what you're doing. You know, like if it all falls apart, like I could keep us afloat for a little while. So, I don't know. I'm like really worried about the money and the stability and like leaving a gigantic company. Like the immigrant in me is just like, what the, f what are you thinking? <laughs> we came from Iran. Right. <laughs> Uh, an annual report, Comcast. Yeah. What? The, the Comcast Corporation has $62 billion in, in yearly revenue. <laughs> yeah. We. <laughs> 
we are gonna have close to two million. <laughs> That's pretty good. <laughs> um, that is good. And then there's like two huge like things, which is one is like me and you working together every day. It's crazy. Not only do we not work together every day, we like don't see each other during the week. <laughs> so going from not seeing each other during the week to seeing each other all the time. And I'm having trouble like thinking through our days. Like <coughs> what would happen? Would we walk to work together? Yeah. Like every day? I think so. And you being my boss, essentially like, yeah, you'd be my boss and just how weird that would might be and how it would feel for your other employees to have your wife there. Like all of that stuff is like real stuff. Yeah, it is real stuff. I talked it over with Matt Lieber, my co-founder, and he was on board pretty much from the beginning. We both agreed that if she wasn't my wife, we'd be trying to recruit her. But he and I both thought I should check in with the staff to see how they felt. And so I went around to lots of different people at Gimlet. And everyone I talked to said they were fine with it. But the problem was, I wasn't sure I could believe them. I'm Matthew Nelson, and I'm a development producer at Gimlet Media. And you've been here for how long? I've been here for three weeks and three days. Uh huh. Exactly. And as people can tell by listening to your accent, you're from the American South. Um, so, <laughs> I'm from Pennsylvania. Uh, <laughs> where, where are you from? I'm from Scotland. Uh -huh. Yeah. To be more precise, I'm from Fife which is about an hour north of Edinburgh. So here's Matthew Nelson, brand new at Gimlet, and his boss comes asking him whether he should hire his wife or not. I mean, uh, yeah, I'm not going to lie. Like, it's somewhat awkward if somebody's like, yeah, I'm hiring this person that I'm also married to. Uh-huh. You said it was a little awkward. Like, unpack the awkwardness. Like, what is the fear, I guess, sort of like? I suppose the the awkwardness is generated by by you asking, you know, your employees for their thoughts on this subject. <laughs> so this is the awkward part right now. <laughs> that they're not necessarily going to be candid on. Uh -huh. I mean, I genuinely am on board with it and do think it's a good idea. But if I didn't think it was a good idea, mm. I would probably would have said exactly what I said about it being a good idea because I don't want to lose my job. So this is an exercise in futility because I can't believe <laughs> anything you're going to tell me. Yeah. If you thought that's a horrible idea, would you tell me? So I wouldn't. I would tell. <laughs> <laughs> but I would tell somebody else. This is Fia Benin, another producer here on the show Reply All. I hope I would tell another member of the staff. I don't know. Uh huh. I think like I I, I well, think it would depend how much I thought it was going to affect me. What would the fear be? What would the thing that would stop you from telling somebody about that be? Okay, I think that there's probably a few. One is like you're married to her, so like you come home, she says. How was work today, Alex? And you say, oh, it was pretty good. This surprising thing happened. Fia came up to me and said she feels really bad about the idea of you coming to Gimlet. <laughs> and, uh -huh. and then my dynamic with Nazanin is weird. Right. Um, it could hurt your feelings. Okay. <laughs> um, right. Are there ways that I should be worried that I haven't thought of? Uh, let's see. Worst case scenario with a spouse situation, I would imagine, are that we could all be very well-meaning people and there's a, there's a future where 
Nazneen and somebody else want the same job. Mm. Right? And that would be tricky. Okay. Right? And then, and let's say it's one where, yeah, I don't know. Do you have a plan to deal with that? I don't. I just thought of it right now. This is helpful. Like, okay. I should go through these things. Yeah, I don't. That's a thing to think about and worry about and try to figure out. What should I do if that happens? If she wants to apply for a position, it seems like the solution is, like, there's a committee of people who are making the decision of who's hired. And it's not it's not you. Yeah. That seems fine. Yeah. But I would just recuse myself from making decisions about Nazneen's job promotion. Right. That seems fine. That seems fine to me, too. Yeah. Okay. All right. This is good, though. This is really helpful. Okay. Um, I'm going to tell Nazneen you have a lot of concerns about her coming on board. Yeah. That makes yeah. sense. <laughs> Tonight. <laughs> over dinner. In the end, we couldn't find one person at the company who said they had a problem with it. But just to be safe, we ran the idea by two people we knew wouldn't have a problem speaking their minds. Two of our investors. And both of them said it was fine, too. Actually, they said it was a great idea. One was a guy named Andrew Anker, who'd co-founded Wired Digital. I sent him an email asking whether hiring one's spouse posed any problems, and his reply, quote, This is the stupidest question I've ever been asked. Hire her immediately, and don't give it a second thought. He went on. Wired was founded by a husband and wife, and the first two hires were a husband and wife design team. Sarah Lacey at Pando, that's a digital media company that covers the tech world, hired her husband to be design director. I see this happening all the time, and it's a great thing. Talk about having perfect information about the person you're hiring. So it was okay with my co-founder. It was allegedly okay with my team. My investors thought I'd be stupid not to hire Nazanin. There was only one person who still needed to get fully on board. I very genuinely have no idea if this is a, a mistake. Nazneen herself. Just how hard that was for her is coming up after this word from our sponsors. Welcome back to Startup. I'm Alex Bloomberg. You're listening to the first episode of a brand new mini season. Five or so episodes devoted once again to Gimlet Media, the podcast network I started and documented the formation of in the very first season of Startup Podcast. You know this already. And we're devoting this episode to my wife, Nazneen, and whether or not she should come work here. I shared a lot of Nazneen's worries about this. What would it be like for us to spend almost every waking hour together? And being her boss, that would be weird. What if I didn't like her work? Am I sure I would handle that correctly? But really, who am I kidding? I wanted her to come to Gimlet. I couldn't have started the company without her. Having her work here would just make official something that already felt true. We were in this thing together. But for her, there was, of course, more to consider. For one, she'd be switching jobs, which is always a big deal, even if you're not coming to work for your husband. And so we spent a good month or so going back and forth about it. And then she made the call. I want to do it. Like, looked at another way, it's like, it's so dumb that I don't already work for you. Like, we're just not the first husband and wife to work together. And part of what tipped the balance for Nazneen, coming to work at Gimlet is an opportunity to do something completely different. So the thing I want to do at Gimlet is um, working on, on your ads. Our ads. It's actually a pretty exciting thing we've stumbled on here. We take them very seriously and we try to make them good. And honest to God, we get a lot of feedback from listeners saying that they like our ads. We get tweets all the time, like this one 
from a guy named Brian saying that he actually hit the back 30-second button on his podcast app, quote, after the coffee grinder muffled the MailChimp ad this morning. Do you get that? He literally skipped backwards in order to hear our ad. But we've been doing our ads sort of on the fly to this point, with hosts scrambling each week to come up with new ideas. And with more shows in the pipeline, all of which will have ads in them, we really need a person who can own this, a person with great audio storytelling chops to take charge of coming up with creative ads. And this person would also solve a problem for us because coming up with ads puts the hosts in an uncomfortable position. They put all their focus and energy into telling the truest, most authentic story they can for their audience, and then they turn around and put a bunch of focus and energy into delivering a message for an advertiser. It's two totally separate modes, and it's hard to flip back and forth between the two. So my co-founder Matt and I were both very excited that Nazneen wanted to step into this role. We all sat down to talk about it. I think you are like perfectly positioned for the role because you know how to do the storytelling. You have the credibility with the team internally Mm -hmm. and you seem very excited about it. Like you seem kind of like you've done the journalism thing and you want to try something new. Yeah. And this is something new. Yeah. I totally, totally still feel that way. I am really excited about it. I think I am interested in the business side of things right now in my career. Like I want to know about the money side. Does it does it matter what my title is? And if it does, do you guys know what you want my title to be? Do you ha- have you thought about it? No, not really. I mean, th- that's like I've always dealt in like assistant producer, associate producer, producer, senior producer, executive producer, you know, like that's the chain of titles that I'm familiar with, host. But like I'm not I don't think I don't know I don't know what of those things I would be here. So, like, creative director, I I understand that that's a title, but, like, literally I'm basing it on Mad Men. So, like, <laughs> Well, know? that's kind of what it is. Yeah. Yeah, you are the Don Close. Draper of Gimlet. Yeah. No. Without the philandering, I hope. <laughs> <laughs> so it was settled. All I had to do was make it official. I don't care what you do. I'm ready to start this meeting. Let's go. Attention by announcing it to everyone at our regular Friday staff meeting. My wife, Nazneen Rafsanjani, has accepted an offer of employment here at Gimlet uh, Gimlet, uh, Media. (laughs) For those of you who haven't worked with her, your life's about to get like 40 to 50% better. That's Alex Goldman, one of the hosts of Reply All. He's so confident about Nazneen because he and his co-host, PJ, actually worked with her in a previous life back at a public radio show called On the Media. And mostly, the meeting went fine. People had questions I was able to answer. What would Nazneen be doing at Gimlet? When was she starting? Although occasionally, the way I imagined something in my head sounded way more awkward when it actually came out of my mouth. I mean, so just for those of you who haven't worked with her, it's weird, uh, the boss hiring his wife. That being said, when she comes here, she will be, you know, like any other you know, employee, you know, in, in any, you know, uh, you know uh, to the extent that that's a credible thing to say, which probably is not very credible. Um, but, like, I, I, I feel like I need, to, I need to at least state that that is the goal going forward. Oh, boy. Anyway, that staff meeting was in early August, but Nazneen wasn't leaving her job until mid-September. We had many weeks to contemplate this big decision in our lives. And in retrospect, it was probably too much time to just sit and think. I very genuinely have no idea if this is a a mistake. 
This is a conversation I recorded just a couple days before Nazneen's last day at her old job. Nazneen had been at the Rachel Maddow Show for five years. She loved her boss, Rachel. She loved her coworkers. She'd been hired as an entry-level producer and worked her way up to a senior level. And it was all hitting her, what a big part of her identity she was leaving behind. Every job I've ever had, I am a person who is working my way up in my career based on nothing but my merits and like my performance at each job. I feel like I'm giving that up because like it doesn't that doesn't that story doesn't matter when you go to work for your husband. Like it doesn't matter that that's what you've done your whole life. You can't tell that story anymore cuz no one believes it. Like, I'm the wife of the founder of the company, and I'm going to work there. Like, that's gross. <laughs> Nazneen's last day at the Rachel Maddow Show came. Friday night, mid-September. There were tears. It was intense. At the end of the show, all her co-workers gave her a very sincere and heartfelt goodbye by ironically slow clapping as she got her stuff and made her last exit out the door and down into the subway. Nazneen was taking what, in retrospect, was a ridiculously short break between leaving her old job and starting her new one. Just two days. And for the last two weekends, I'd been traveling, so she'd had to solo parent. And then, the last day before starting her new job, I'd had this thing to do early in the morning, when I got back to the house, the kids were being cranky as Nazneen tried to get them to school. So I swept in and tried to help out by putting on a charm offensive. I got them laughing and dressed. But if you've ever been on the other end of that situation, locked into battle with a three-year-old when the other parent lumbers in with the tickles, there's something infuriating about it. We finally got them dropped off at school, and that's the moment I decided to flip on the recorder for a final check-in. I so don't want to talk about this on tape. <laughs> like, I don't feel like talking about it. I don't feel like talking about it in general. I especially don't feel like talking about it on tape. Um, I'm, I don't know how I'm feeling. I'm feeling like it's not, it's not like the best morning of my life. And part of what made the morning so rough was that it had thrown into question what we had considered to be an unequivocal benefit to her coming and working at Gimlet. Better hours. So The Rachel Maddow Show airs at 9 p.m., which meant Nazneen didn't leave most nights till it was over, at 10. She didn't get home until almost 11. She'd worked out a deal with her bosses so that she could leave early two nights a week, so she didn't miss every bedtime. But most days, she saw the kids for a couple hours before school and then didn't see them again until the next morning. And what that meant for me was that I was the main bath giver and butt wiper and toothbrusher at night, and I was the first one up with the kids in the morning usually because Nazneen got home so late. And it had been that way for almost the entire five years of our children's existence. But the episode this morning, along with all the travel I'd been doing and all the solo parenting Nazneen had had to do in my absence, had made her realize that there'd been this hidden benefit to her crappy schedule. I've liked the fact that because I work, you know, because I have worked late, like basically the entire lifetimes of both of our children, because I've been at work at night a lot of nights, like you've had to like do a lot of childcare, And I just don't think you would have if you didn't have to, because you had a lot of other stuff going on, you know, like legitimately, not that you would have been like 
out drinking at a bar or something. Like you, you have other things that you could probably make a case that you should be doing. But you, you didn't have a choice. Like you had to be home and you had to be doing bedtime and you had to give them baths and deal with their moods and stuff. And if I'm around all the time, like I'm just worried that I'm going to be doing all of that. You know, like it just, it just like that happens and it, it just, it bugs me. The idea of that really bugs me. Well, when does that happen? Like aside from this morning. How many couples do you know who have similar, even similar jobs, like both parents work full time and the dad does more of the home and child stuff than the mom? Or, or, or even that it's like exactly 50-50. Like, do you know any couples like that? You know, like, I feel like the only reason why you played such a big role in all that stuff these last four or five years is because I, I wasn't physically present. Right. And I liked that you played that role. I did too. But I, don't, I guess I'm not, I'm not entirely sure that that, that that won't continue. You know what I mean? Like, I don't... Yeah. You, one of the unexpected benefits of that schedule was... You're insulated from from falling into a traditional role where you're like sort of like you're the go-to. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It's not like I think there's something. I don't think there's something wrong with that role. I just feel like people are gonna need your time, and people are gonna want to do edits late, and people are gonna like want to meet you for drinks and want to do whatever people want to do. And like before, you just had to say no, and now you never have to say no. I'm worried about that too, frankly. If Nazneen had had a normal schedule, I'd have said no a lot less. Perhaps so much less that we'd have turned into one of those couples where the dad doesn't know all the stuff that I know now. I know that my three-year-old daughter's favorite thing to do at snack time is to pretend to be a puppy by putting Cheerios in a bowl on the floor and getting on all fours and eating them with her mouth. And that my five-year-old son suddenly knows how to write the word Christmas. I love knowing that stuff. I love it more than I ever could have imagined. And I like to think... I'd know it even without a schedule that forced me to. All the things I'm complaining about, they have another side to them. Like, I do really want to get to see, especially Calvin as he gets older after school every day. Like, I, I really, like, that was something that would wear on me every day. I could be like, oh, he's starting kindergarten. Like, the first day of kindergarten, I dropped him off and I didn't see him until the next day. You know, and that's just going to get more and more as he gets older. So it's just like, for all the things I'm worried about, on the family side, like, I am, it is going to be nice to, like, I don't know, just see them more. And, like, putting them to bed last night was really fun, you know? And, like, it was really funny and we were making jokes. And, and, and it was one of the first bedtimes for a long time that we didn't, like, I didn't get mad at anybody. We didn't have to, like, get mad about going to bed. And I think partly it is because, like, I've been with them straight for, like, three days. So they're not fighting over whose bed I'm going to sit on and, you know, who, who I'm going to give a piggyback ride to first, which is a fight that happens a lot. Who gets to sleep next to you and lovingly stroke your hair, as, like, Calvin was doing last night. He was, like, literally, you sit next to his bed and he's just, like, staring at you and just, like, lovingly stroking your hair. I know. Anyway, yes. So, like, I, I know all that stuff is going to be good. I like to think that now that the schedule has changed, I won't let myself turn into a parent I don't want to be. And instead, it'll be the way we imagined it could be, 
back on those nights when Nazni was getting on the subway at 10 p.m., while in a different burrow, I was sweeping up the Cheerios in the kitchen and putting my daughter's pretend dog bowl in the dishwasher. I like to think that most nights it will be the two of us, home, together. That will be so nice. A lot of hey, wait. Are you going to last the bed? I'm going to put you to bed today. I'm going to put you to bed tomorrow. I'm going to get to come home every night. I remember sometimes pajama pants night. Now we're going to work together. Look. Look at us going to work. Living the dream. Is this the dream? Yeah. Okay. It's my dream. We're living it. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. Now that's actually happening, do you feel better or worse than yesterday? That's all. Um, I, f- I feel, I think I feel better. The anticipation is always worse than the actual thing. The day has finally come. I take the route I've been taking for the last year. For the first time, though, with Nazneen as my co-worker. We cross Atlantic, turn left down Fulton, onto Flatbush, under the scaffolding that's been there pretty much the entire year, and through that very, very scary-looking door. Here we are. We're just steps away from your new life. Yeah. This is this terrifying elevator. Remember the first time you saw the elevator? I do. Okay. Okay. Doors are going to open. Here we go. Do not press back. We'll end it right there at the beginning of this new chapter. We're going to be back in two weeks with the next episode of Startup where we're going to do a deep dive into how we actually launch a podcast, from coming up with the idea to actually completing an episode. Remember, that's two weeks from now, because, well, as you'll see, I have a company to run. This episode of Startup was produced by me and Eric Mennel, editing by Peter Clowney, mixing and original music by Mark Phillips, more music by the band hotmom.gov feels so good to say again. Our ad music is by Build Buildings. You can reach us online at gimletmedia.com slash startup. We tweet at podcast startup. I'm Alex Bloomberg, and I will talk to you soon on the next episode of Startup. Startup.